As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. Thanks, as always, to the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. I actually was uh, chatting with Joe tonight, got a chance to thank him in person for uh, uh, the, the help from the Cochran family. Supporting the podcast here. Shout out to those guys, as always. Um, we are coming to you from beautiful Temecula, California, uh, out there for the uh, U.S. Pro Cup, first big travel race of the year. Um, we are recording in a hotel room. So, as always, we have the disclaimer that... Uh, uh, we're not sure how the audio quality is going to work. There's some loud kids running around the halls and stuff. So I think there's like a wedding going on outside. It's it certainly sounds like it, Dan. Yeah. Um, so as always, we we appreciate your your patience. There shouldn't be as bad as the uh, the uh, the van episode though. Going back and listening to that one, that didn't sound great. Yeah, and that was a little weird driving while we we're talking. So we figured we'd be better. This will be a step up from that. Hopefully, the the rooms next to us can't hear us. That, that, right now, that, that would be, be really weird. awful. I can't imagine trying to sleep in a hotel and hear a podcast going on next to me. Amy's also making fun of us. She's in the room too, sending snaps to her friends of, uh, of us talking. So it's a mess. This will be a somewhat abbreviated podcast. Um, uh, lots of news to go over, I guess, racing news. We had some really awesome results from Maybird Riders this weekend. Got to see some really world-class competition, especially in the women's uh, elite field so far. It's, you know. Oh, yeah. There were just so many big names celebrity it was just super cool to see and for i thought it was especially cool for like our 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 young female riders to be exposed to so many cool not to take anything away from the men's field here but holy smokes yeah the women's field was we had some name brand world cup riders you know we had uh um uh, Haley batten just absolutely dominating the uh, the women's short track uh, former world champion Kate Courtney was there. We had rising star Gwendolyn Gibson. We had Hannah Otto, Kelsey Urban, several others. It was just a, an amazing 25 minutes of racing there. I love the short track format. And just so you know, it's it's Saturday night. The um, the the pro XC race hasn't happened yet. That's tomorrow. So, yeah, so. We'll, we'll probably be put put this on a timed release. I'll be driving back to Salt Lake tomorrow, and Dad will be busy with. Uh, with, uh, you know, running the race day. So we're recording this the night before. Um, I don't know, predictions for the elite, for the elite race? It'll be fun. I don't It'll know. Fun. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and predict uh, uh, Haley Batten again. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Braden Johnson for the elite men's. I think he's, he's got a breakout coming here soon. I think that's a good... 
That yeah, you know what? That's a good pr- prediction. And actually, I didn't know he listens to this podcast. Well, I was going to leave that. I was I wasn't going. Oh, you, you know, setting me it was up. supposed to be a special little. You know, like we heard he listens this week. And we're like, oh, oh. throw him in. You know, but yeah. So and, that was that was shameless pandering, Braden. I don't know if you'll actually win or not, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> he actually yeah, he came up to me and he said he's he he said he actually listens to the podcast. And I was like, first I was flattered. And he goes because you guys make me laugh. And I'm like, well, well, it's not really comedy, so he must be laughing for another reason. <laughs> so, but always plenty to laugh at when you're here, Dan. But uh, yeah, good racing this weekend, though. Oh, it's, it's it's been so awesome. It's been so much fun. It's it's exhausting. You know, I've been I've been scooting ten kids and ten bikes and all the tents and stuff around in a van for the last three days and. I'm tired and kind of mostly brain dead right now, so I can't guarantee a really great podcast today. But Usually when you're driving 10 kids around in a van, it's either homeschooling or kidnapping. So, <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, Bike World News uh, for, for the nerds out there. Uh, Flanders is tomorrow morning. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to watch. Uh, well, I responsibly drive home, maybe figure out, like uh, maybe have Andrew give me the play-by-play as it's going through there. Um, obviously, U.S. Pro Cup elite tomorrow that'll be fun uh other than that Roubaix's next Sunday so that's fun not a whole lot of uh other than this I don't I don't think any Cape Epic's over now a little bit of a news lull so we can just move right ahead huh I guess so uh should we do a quiz we should so I I I neglected to prepare a quiz this week so Dan has offered uh to quiz me Okay. I, I'm not sure how I, I don't like you've noticed in this podcast we put Dan on the line a lot um, I don't take a lot of risks for this podcast so I'm going to put myself I'm going to put my neck on the line here and, and maybe embarrass myself okay so take it away Dan so I found out I was doing a quiz about like 10 seconds before we recorded yes and so um, I've thought of two questions and hopefully a third question will come to me as we as we do it okay but okay. my but my first question and these are probably pretty easy for Joe. Um, my first question is what celebrity okay. was at the race today? Oh, I, was, I, like, I actually know this. Um, Reggie Miller, known primarily for Wendy's ads um, uh, and maybe basketball or something like that. I think he's mostly famous for the Wendy's stuff, right? I didn't see. I didn't know he was in Wendy's ads. How do you not use YouTube? Uh, Does I, the algorithm has uh, the algorithm identified me as a potential Wendy's enjoyer and not I, you? I think so. What are your YouTube ads for, Dan? Um, not not that. <laughs> not that. Have you not seen the Reggie Miller? Uh, I always ads? get that one really annoying guy that tells you like not to like do a pull up with one arm while you're curling with the. Oh, I you're hate, getting you're getting like the old recycled fitness bro. I hate. He bugs me so bad. Yeah, no one likes that like, guy. Because well, I won't get into it, but. That's not the point, but but yeah, Reggie Miller. Uh, what basketball team is he? He's, he's if you don't seven, know, I was being sarcastic. Like 76ers, wasn't he back what, in the day? Is that Philadelphia? Yeah, yeah he's like a big time NBA. Oh, player, he was a, he right? was a big deal. He back, was a pretty big deal right? back when like basketball wasn't weak and lame like it is now. Ooh, yeah, we're no, some seriously. scorching hot takes here, Dan. Oh yeah, back in the nineties, it was so much better. It's kind of weak now. You sound an older and older every day, Dan. But yeah, Reg, Reggie Miller is super cool, dude. Totally into mountain bike racing. And so funny to he's see. He's actually you. pretty dang fast. I'm sure you'd have like, to be. It's like, be like, if you ever get to the point where you're in NBA He was on player, the course today. He was significantly faster than me. 
Which, oh, which isn't is that the much. bar? Okay, that's not saying much. So now but. we have so Reggie Reggie Miller, a writer of indeterminate skill, was out at the U.S. Pro <laughs> Cup today. No, seriously, I bet if you're an NBA player, you've got some pretty killer fitness for the rest of your life, right? And his bike you know? is so cool. Have you seen his bike? It's a blur, right? Yeah, he's a Santa it's, Cruz it's like man, a right? Kind of custom, but it's like huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, he's, have to be. how tall is he? What like? Like probably what at least six? How tall? How tall, I have no idea how tall. How tall are NBA players? You know they're like usually like six foot six. How, how tall is Reggie Miller? I think he's six foot seven. You think? <laughs> so, so I should judges. explain. We had a natural moment where we were talking, but we had no idea. And Dan was like, "Oh, go ahead and Google it." And then while Dan was filling the dead air while I was googling, Andrew fl- like flushed the toilet, and you could totally hear it through. So we had to go back and cut that. And so Dan, Dan really quick there was supposed to like play off that he just knew Reggie Miller was six foot seven, and he can't. You must be a really honest person because you are a horrible liar, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, I think. That's so. probably a good thing. No, uh, Reg- and then Tinker Warren. Oh, that was the too. second question. Oh, did I? Whoa, that was aggressive, Dan. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, it's now just I quiz. only have one. Did co- I just did I just hijack your quiz? You just hi- hijacked my second question. What okay. was your second question? Who was the other celebrity that Who's was there? Who was the other celebrity that was there? Dan Draper, star of the Maybird Cycling Podcast. <laughs> so what do you know about Tinker Juarez? Tinker Juarez was like the man back in the 90s. He was like... He was definitely one of them back well, in Canada. He's like a, John like a World Tomac. Cup, era, like really early mountain. Yeah, mountains, and he right? was like um, back in the John Tomac days, kind of the Norba days, and he he was really known for being able to push enormous gears. Oh, like a like a grinder, like a low yeah. cadence. And now he's like he races in the sixty plus. Um, division. It's, a, it's a bummer for all those 60 plus guys, yeah. you know, <laughs> but man, he is so fast still. It's just amazing. Amazing how much he still races. Cause I follow him on Instagram, which is funny by the way. He's, he's awesome on Instagram. You go give him a follow. Um, he seems like somebody who just really genuinely loves to race his bike. You know, he's not doing it for a paycheck. No. Yeah. He's okay. Sorry. Did I, do you have any other quiz questions or is that it? Um, you know, that was kind of it unless, um, think hard. Tell me. One fact about Temecula, California. One fact about Temecula, California. Temecula, California is somehow really far away from everything, but also kind of close to everything. I don't know. It seems like it's like you're close to LA, but not really. And you're close to the ocean, but not really. And driving anywhere takes a while. It's pretty. Th- oh, wine. I don't know. It's known for wine. I saw a wine tour bus today. Is that okay. it? Okay. That, yeah. Is that is there anything else to know about Temecula? It's pretty. It's a it's a beautiful part of the world. I've just kind of found that like, you know, like on a map it looked like it was close to a lot of stuff, but every time we've driven somewhere it kind of takes a kind minute. It takes huh? a while. But yeah, we just took like a we took a group of the racers out to the ocean and it was it was super fun. It was beautiful. Really cold and then they all jumped in, which was I I don't know, I felt slightly peer pressured, but I was like, "Eh, nah. I have a backbone. I don't need to do that. I know who I am." Um yeah, no, it's fun. I like Temecula. Andrew and I rode some wild trails out there. We found some, uh, Andrew was, we were just riding up the road and Andrew just saw like a gravel road that like was completely unmarked, had like a gate in front of him. Andrew just hops off the road, jumps over his little gate thing. I'm running, you know, cyclocross carrying my bike over a little rope to catch up. And we rode up this road for like five minutes that ended with a bunch of like beehives. It looked like a bootleg, like bee, beekeeping operation. There was no signs or anything. There were like three or four beehives at the end of this run. It was one of those rides. Oh, cool story, bro. Dan, it's a podcast. That's the point. I so I don't know. So anyhow, be, what do I know about Temecula, California? It's like the Wikipedia page. Temecula, California was founded in 1864 by John, John Temecula. Temecula. <laughs> Holy cow, we Can need we just to, get this over with. We Dan? need some sleep. 
Okay. Um, yeah, that was a good good quiz. I good give you quiz. three out of three. I'm gonna keep doing. I'm gonna do the quizzes from now on. Dan, that wasn't good. <laughs> well, you, I didn't get a whole lot of time to prepare, so like those are the only two things I know. So okay, those are the only two <laughs> things you know. <laughs> okay, let's carry on. To, um, main subject today is is an interesting one. Um, uh, this is something I learned ten minutes ago as well. Uh, base miles or, or the base training base the base season it's a lot of different it's one of those buzzwords people throw around in cycling but I'd imagine it's pretty misunderstood right Dan? No I think people understand it pretty well Why are we doing a podcast I'm just on it kidding. They don't You no, ever heard of a segue? No, I know No actually so so I think there's I think it's one of those terms that means a, several different things mm-hmm. um, it, to, and, and I think so so kind of back in the olden days how you know, before they had a lot of like sports physiology science, like coaches would just kind of discover things that would make certain pe- certain people fast, and then they would kind of repeat doing those things. And um, and what they what they discovered really worked well was like these these riders during the winter months would just ride really super easy miles, but just miles and miles and miles, like high hour. volume, low intensity, super super right? yeah. Lots and lots of volume, super low intensity. And then during race season, all they would do pretty much is just race and kind of recover between. But they would do a lot of races. So this wasn't like like a theory that people went out and tested. This is just kind of something that like we they, learned over time they, you by, know, happens, they, by, by chance. Well, they basically. just kind of found out it worked, you know, and, huh. and, and it did. It actually does. Um, you know, they would basically just do a lot of base miles, a lot of easy base miles in the winter. And then once... You know the races usually started in early spring. Once once that season rolled around, they would they would mostly just get their fitness from racing, which was really high, and then just kind of recover between the races. Is this something that applies to other sports too? Do runners do this, and and, and cross country skiers, or is this a cycling thing? You know, I think it's more of a cycling thing, just because. Well, just because like cycling, it's easy to do lots of like running you. Doing lots and lots and lots of miles. You have to be a pretty elite runner to be running. Yeah, you know, most of the day where you know a pretty amateur cyclist can go on an eight-hour ride without you know without too much harm. Yeah, Yeah. so I think it's probably more cycling, but um, Hmm. at least the amount of volume that they would do, and so that's kind of what it was traditionally. I think um, I think what most people like, like when you hear about people talking about base, what I think a lot of people think of is doing a lot of easy, easy riding during the winter months. And then in the spring, it switches to like, you know, kind of more of a build and then you peak for an event. But I think the challenge that we face is that not a lot of us can really get outside and ride for long hours during the winter. And then you know, a lot of the kids listening, their their main season really isn't in the spring. I mean, the kids that do like the national races, it is. You know, and they and, and traditionally in cycling, you know, like the classics are big in the spring and stuff. But that's not that doesn't necessarily apply for for youth mountain bike races yeah, in our mu- part of the world. Yeah, the the youth mountain bikers where they're, you know, a lot of them their primary races are in the fall. You know, for the for their high for school. Nika and, yeah, you know, and even so, nationals falls relatively late in the season too. Yeah, you know, so so I think. I think to us, base kind of means something different, you know, and, and, and I really think of, well, like when I think of base, I just think it's really just kind of the, the accumulation of your aerobic fitness that you've developed throughout your life, basically, just throughout your life as an athlete, you know, it's, um, 
it's something that you accumulate each season and it's something that you accumulate season over season over season throughout all the disciplines that you do you know throughout you know through running through um you know, through your Nordic skiing, through your cycling. Because I have, I have heard of people use the word base to refer to accumulated skill, like you're saying. Because it's not just like a, like a, like a slice on the periodized table chart. It's also so. Like, is there, is there a connection there, or is the, is that just kind of like two different words, like ways that we we refer to base, or? Wait, re- re- say that again. For, rephrase that. I, I guess like. Like you were saying there that like we talk about bases like base training, you know, or like base miles, you know, like like those long, slow rides in the winter or whatever. But then you're also talking about bases being like the accumulated skill you have over well, years. Well, and what I said was your accumulated aerobic fitness. Interesting. Because those are there's kind of two different things, right? Like one's referring to it, the accumulation of fitness and then one's referring to like this type of riding that we do almost. Well. Or a period of the season. No, I, I said aerobic fitness and I think there's kind of some confusion what aerobic fitness means. Um, I mean, ultimately like 98% of the riding that we do is as actually aerobic. I think a lot of people kind of mistakenly call like our hard efforts anaerobic when they're when they're actually not hmm. you know they're like really most of what we do even like even if it's above threshold um it's, it's still technically a road yeah right? like you know basically below our vo2 max is still almost completely aerobic and once we get above that point there's an anaerobic contribution but it's still mostly aerobic so mostly what we do is aerobic um the, what what we what I think a lot of people consider anaerobic is is probably more correctly termed glycolytic. Okay. You know, um, and that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the threshold where, you know, where you're kind of above zone two and, and you get, into, you know, but it's still aerobic. What efforts are truly anaerobic in cycling? Is it like a, a sub 30 second sprint at the end of a race or like? Well, one would be like when you just first start out. You know, okay. like, like say you're, you start riding from a cold start, you know, like the, the start of a race where you've been sitting around for 20 minutes waiting to, to start. When you start out, your aerobic system gets up and going quickly. Right. And or am I, no, I said that, I said that wrong. Your anaerobic system, you know, is, it can get up and going super quickly where your aerobic right. system takes a while to get going. It's a more kind of a more, so you can almost, you can hold your breath for the first 30 seconds of a race. Yeah. Right. But you probably couldn't hold your breath, you know, five minutes into the race. Yeah. And you know, and then when you're doing efforts that are above your VO two max power, there's definitely an anaerobic contribution, but still mostly what we do is aerobic and, you know, and, and, and that's this fitness that you accumulate over years and years and years is kind of what I consider your base your base okay yeah so um and i think so so really for us you know i don't think a lot of us can really do a traditional what what most cyclists would consider base season like during the winter right um i really think that we need to think of it as we're kind of constantly throughout the season always working on our base interesting yeah and yeah, you know, it's something that you don't just work on for like a period of time during the winter. It's something that you're constantly working on all season long, year after year. Because I've even said to people before, oh, we're kind of in base season now. But truly, really, like if you look at my Strava and stuff, my volume in the winter is 
way lower than it is the rest of the season. Like for it to be bass, it truly has to be high volume, right? And like bass isn't just low intensity or just high volume. It's like high volume or uh, high volume, low intensity, right? Is, is bass training by the textbook, right? I think by the more traditional definition of it, but I think that's why, um, where it's kind of switched more to the polarized or, or like where, where polarized training has become so popular. I think that's really helpful because it, you're, you're really like maintaining base throughout the entire season. If you're, you know, if you're truly polarized, one thing about the polarized training though, is I think it's kind of oversimplified things a little bit where, um, you know, if, if you're just going to do like, you know, 80% of your training below zone two, and then 20% of it, like when you're, 90% of VO2 max, you know, if you just simply did that all season, I don't think you'd continue to progress. So, um, so I do think that there is a lot of value in kind of combining traditional base training and polarized training. And the reason for that is because of, you know, we've talked in the past about training residuals and, and, and I think organizing your your season, keeping training residuals in mind with polarization really, I think, can kind of be the best of both worlds. And, and you know, kind of an example of, of training residuals as we've talked about before is like, you know, your, your slow twitch aerobic type fitness, which is, you know, your below zone two, is the type of fitness that takes a long, long time to develop. It's not painful to develop. It just takes time. Um, and the generally, the more time you accumulate there, the better you get. It just there's really no shortcuts there. This is um, why it's kind of rare to see like a professional cyclist like Remco Evenepoel, where they've only been doing the sport for five or six years, and usually it's somebody who's been going since they were you know ten or eleven years old, well, right? Well, no, yeah. I mean, it takes like a good three to five to ten years to really to really develop that. Um, but even like within a season, you know, like it takes two or three months of that type of training hmm. to develop. But that doesn't mean that's the only type of training you can do during that time. Um, but it does take time. And then, and then it, like as a general rule of thumb, you know, the, the more intense the, the training is, the, sh- the less time it takes to develop. And, and conversely, the, the quicker you lose it if you discontinue that type of training. It's so like you can get your sprint back in a few weeks, but you'll also lose it in a few weeks yeah. where, you know, the kind of aerobic base is a much longer term project, right? Yeah. You know, and so, you know, along with, um, along with residuals, like, the, you know, like your threshold type efforts, you know, like your sweet spot and, and your threshold efforts, you know, those typically take about 10 weeks to, to kind of maximize, you know, and then, and then after that point, you know, if you continued to, to work on that, you would just kind of plateau and you wouldn't really advance them anymore and, and could kind of slip backwards. Whereas like with aerobic training with, with the, 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 you know, kind of the slow twitch zone two type training, you really never completely maximize that. You know, it's, it's hard to kind of, I guess, do too much of that in, in a sense, you know, but but yeah, the threshold type training, about 10 weeks to kind of maximize the benefits from that. The VO2 max type training, you know, kind of the zone five and six, um, you know, probably six six weeks typically. 
and then your sprint power just two to three weeks. Okay. You know, and so two to three, that's it. Huh? Yeah. Hmm. You know, and so and so that's kind of how you would you would plan out your season. You know, like um, earlier in the season, and, but but the whole season, I think you should polarize. It's you just do a different kind of polarization as the season progresses. You know, so like. So like in the base season, you would polarize by doing lots of zone two with combined with kind of sweet spots or threshold type efforts. You know, I like to do a whole podcast talking about sweet spots soon, but it's basically just kind of just below your threshold. And supposedly you get similar benefits, but it's not as, you know, the you recover quicker from it. It's not as costly. So, and then, you know, during what what's, kind of considered your build period you would probably combine more um you know of your zone two slow twitch you know fat burning type workouts with like your more of zone five and zone six type work um you know your vo2 max type work you know this is the stuff that gets you you know that kind of racer's edge fast you know which is especially relevant for cross country because you, you're pulling that lever a lot more you know like we usually when you talk about this it's like with uh, in the context of road cycling but for our particular discipline that's even more important huh yes and no um because really like like i mentioned earlier you know all this training is aerobic and it all benefits other intensities like hmm. like for instance you know you could be training, like someone that's training a lot at zone two could still be very, very fast. It's going to raise their threshold too. Like they could be, because it, it improves their aerobic systems, which are the same systems you're using when you're working at threshold. You know, you're just, <clears throat> um, so training, training zone two will improve your threshold and, and kind of vice versa, you know, because like I said, it's, it's, it's still aerobic. So, um, so even if you're just doing like, you know, doing your, doing your base where you're doing a lot of zone two and, and sweet spot threshold work, it's still going to make you fairly fast. You know, you know, you could show up a races and be really, really strong. Um, <clears throat> you might not be your fastest on certain type of efforts, but you're still going to, you're hmm. still going to be really, really fast. So none of these things are really happening in isolation. It's not that simple, right? Yeah, like like training one system will benefit multiple systems, okay. basically. Okay. So so then, you know, as you're getting kind of like about six weeks away from your whatever event you're targeting where you want to be your best, that's when you start focusing more on like your zone five and six type VO2 type work. You know, you're still polarized, but you're polarized with efforts that are above threshold you know so that at point. that time of the year are you still going to try to get out and do these big like base efforts where you're riding for six hours really really easy or does that go away when you're really close to the event um you know obviously you're going to want to you know make sure you're not doing too much if you have a big event coming up but yeah you still are going to be building your base during this time because a lot of us really don't because we really can't spend all winter building our base. So we really right. have to con continue to build it through the season. So what, what does that look like when you're actually close to um, close to that A event? You know, as you get closer to the A event, you're you're naturally going to want to kind of back off some of the, the durations and of, of those longer rides. But 
but they do still need to be long enough that at that point you're at least maintaining it. So what, what, I mean, for the group of kids we're dealing with, roughly what would you prescribe in terms of like length? Like what would that ride look like? Once, you know, once they're actually in their kind of race season, um, I would say you probably shouldn't do anything over four hours. Okay. Would be, you know, three to four hours is probably plenty. Okay. Whereas, you know, but before that longer is probably fine. So, so right now, you know, we, we really want to talk about like what to do like, kind of like right now in the season, which is kind of, right. I mean, it's just been, it's been a crazy winter. I mean, we've never yeah. had a winter like this. Before. It's been rough. It's been rough for the people who have bikes over skis, right? Yeah. And, and I really appreciate the coaches that have like gone on path rides and just done everything they can to get the kids out. Um, I, I do think it's important to really try to, if you haven't been working on your aerobic fitness, to really get out and, and work on your aerobic fitness and really, really start to accumulate that time. Um, you know, one thing I want to point out is, is like I mentioned earlier, you know, to really, really build those slow twitch, fat burning, zone two aerobic systems, it, you know, it just takes time. Like, you really have to, you know, to, to improve, to make those better, you know, you accumulate time, but you really have to have some progressive overload, too, which means you got to, like, you know, maybe start at an hour and a half rides each day and move it up eventually to hour and 45 minutes to two minutes a day to, you know, maybe two hours and 15 minutes, you know, until you're... So if you're like a brand new rider, if you this is your second or third season, it, it might be a bad idea to try to jump in on the deep end with that kind of thing? Yeah, you really need to just progressively build it up over time. Now, eventually, you're going to reach a point where you can't do four-hour rides every day. I mean, that just... Right. You, you know, we don't. Um, and so what kind of happens there is you might kind of max out your that type of aerobic fitness because you're kind of limited on time. But what also happens too is, you know, as, as you are working out at that same, we'll say kind of like a zone two heart rate or that zone two perceived exertion, the power you're able to produce at that point is going to increase. So it's, it's kind of like at first you're kind of extending the time that you do. And as you gain more fitness that way, you're starting to do that same workout at a higher power output. The same five hours, but you know, so, power is 20% higher. So right? really, to once you kind of max out the amount of time you have available to train your, you know, your slow twitch aerobic systems, um, you're gradually going to want to increase like the power that you do those at, but still at, you know, a zone two heart rate or a zone two perceived exertion. You know, so you're progressing even though your time's somewhat limited. I don't know if that made makes okay. any sense but yeah you know you, you can't just do the same hour and a half ride all season long at the same power why and, not though and ex- that's so much fun yeah you know and expect to to make improvements you know you're right. either going to have to eventually extend the, the duration of those and and then you know as, as you gain fitness doing that the the power will kind of naturally increase so um yeah, so so right now, really the goal right now is, at least for the next, you know, the next several weeks would be 
to what your what your writing should look like is to try to do as many zone two you know easy steady rides you gradually increase those as you go you know as you progress throughout the season until you kind of reach your you know the amount of time that you have allocated you kind of reach a a, a ceiling there you know um, so you know roughly we'll say you know the majority of your rides should be like that and then two rides a week at this point at least for I would say the next you know the next probably 10 weeks um, depending on you know de depending on what you've got coming up you know for those that are doing nationals or something it might be different but for I think most most Nike type riders um, to develop kind of your your threshold type power your your zone four your sweet spot type power um, kind of polarizing that so so maybe two workouts a week or sweet spot threshold and the rest is kind of zone two um, for those that are you know for those that are that have races coming up I do like to sprinkle in some some 30 by 30 type efforts just to help them kind of get ready for some race intensity um, mentally prepare for that sharp sort of you know yeah. cross-country sting but for the most of it, our effort should be kind of longer, steadier intervals, you know, like eight minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, so on your hard rides, you would try to throw in some of those longer, more sustained eight minute, 10 minute, 15 minute efforts, you know, during this, this point of the season. Makes so, sense. Yeah. And, and if you do that right, what, what actually changes when you have that base, just to make sure that this is clear, because I think it's it's a little frustrating for some people because you never ride like a base ride in a race. You know, it kind of feels like you're doing something that's totally different than you're, than what well, you're actually trying to do. Right. Like what's that, the sell? Well, like, like I kind of started out like back in the old days, like they almost didn't really do workouts. They, they did a lot of base miles and a lot of racing. Right. And combining those two, they kind of accidentally stumbled onto a really effective yeah, sort of people got strategy, fast, you know, right. with, with a lot of this. Because your body doesn't know you're racing; it just feels like it's a, I mean, a ride's a ride. You know, stress on your muscles is stress on your muscles, right? Like those races were basically serving as high intensity work, right? Yeah, and you know, and in all those miles, like is they're they're really just building the machinery. You know, they're 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 making changes in your body that prepare you to be able to go fast. You know, and like the super, super high intense stuff is, um, you know, that's that's changing things that are like kind of more temporary, like blood volumes and and so forth. But but the the you know the aerobic training, especially the the zone two type stuff, um, really kind of builds you new hardware that can prepare you to heap. You know, when you do combine it with ultimately with the you know the the VO2 max type of intensities, it really you can actually handle that training better and it, it'll be more beneficial. So, so yeah, so, so right now just really try to get out and just accumulate as much time as you can. Um, it's, it's really the magic of getting faster, you know, just to ride more simply. I mean, that's kind of how many, how many times doing do we, this podcast and you say, yeah, just go and ride more. Yeah. We, <laughs> the number of people where, you know, like go ride more doesn't apply as pretty small right like that's you know it's yeah the vast majority of us just you know ride more yeah as, as you know as long as you're getting enough recovery and you're living a healthy enough lifestyle to to maintain it it's 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 funny how often that is 
this, it all kind of just comes down to that, you know, just, just writing more. Like, kind of like we say, you know, those, those three most important things are, you know, the, the amount you ride, and then when it's time to do your hard workouts, they need to be hard, you know. When it's not, you need to have discipline, but when it is time to go hard, you need to have the discipline to go hard when it's time to, to go hard. Make it, it's got to sting, you know. It's um, And then get enough recovery, you know. It's just... It's, it's like so many it just comes down to that so often so it was interesting you know I saw I saw Gwen Gibson uh, second in the short track yesterday really impressive performance you know absent Haley Batten she would have walked away from the field um, she posted on her Instagram story her in the, the Norma Tech boots eating a donut you know like it's what the pros do man you know you go hard then you gotta take care of yourself after and I know we, we belabor that point a lot too but um, it really is pretty simple yeah you know you know the the people that are fast ride more. The know? first ninety percent of the way to being a world champion is pretty simple stuff. Gets a little hairy after that, but you know. Yeah, so you know when let's let's try and get out as much as we can. Let's have lots of fun. Um, Looks like it is finally starting to warm up, maybe a bit. You know, I think we've got a few more snow tail into next week, but I think in between there's there's some room to get some big riding in. Maybe we'll have to do some Zwift meetups too, huh? That was so fun. We'll have, have to, to schedule another one. Yeah, so do some long rides. You, you know when it's time to do efforts, do some long. 10, 15 minute efforts, you know, really steady. Um, do those a couple times a week. And I think that's a pretty good bet for the next, the next few weeks. So, so we'll probably leave it at that for, for now. You know, we got a hotel room that we're sharing with, uh, you know, a bunch of sleepy people who need to go to bed. Um, looking forward to tomorrow. Hopefully everybody, uh, uh, races safe and then, you know, and drives home safe. If you're driving home, Stay awake. If, if if you need to listen to this on repeat, you know, what, 11, 12 times to get you there, then no, do that. But I don't think this is going to keep people awake. That's true. Go listen to something else. Try some Rage Against the Machine to get you through that one section. You know, I remember dri- driving and I was shocked how beautiful it was in that one section right after St. George, driving through that canyon in Arizona, and then how boring it is until you get here. So uh, that'll be rough, but I'm hoping to have enough internet to stream Flanders. Is the is the hope, and then if not, I'll just have to find some other time to watch it. But um, the magic word. Uh, the magic word for this week is wine country, because I keep seeing that on signs here. How about how about that? Sure. I don't know. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Talk to you next All right, week. We'll see you. Bye. Did you just end that like a phone call? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a phone call, Dan. It's a podcast. <laughs>